The following program contains references to when the sh** hits the fan. The ABC does not endorse throwing faecal matter into a ceiling nor standard floor fan. However, what you do in your own time is, of course, your own business. The financial advice in this episode is general in nature. We can't account for your individual circumstances. For advice to suit your individual needs, see the professionals. It's reassuring, isn't it? Mm. It's good to know where we're going. It's the proper countryside. Well, yeah. a bit further, right up and around about that bed. We're on the road. Sensible Emily is driving, and as the countryside wheels by, we're playing a game. It's not 20 questions. It's not spotto. It's a game called What Could Possibly Go Wrong? You can get divorced. You can lose your job. You get cancer. You could get catfished. You could be swindled by an online lover. Mm. Identity theft? Your house could burn down. What about if you get your nails done and you get an infection and you lose your finger and you've got to get a replacement finger so you can get a gold one so that your friends call you Goldfinger? <laughs> Have you thought about this before? Guys, this is Australia. Do you know how much shit could happen to you here? You could get bitten by a shark, you could get bitten by a spider, you could get bitten by a snake. A kangaroo could punch you. <laughs> that actually happened to my brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine too, actually. What about a koala? They are, chlamydia is rife, so a koala could give you chlamydia. I can, how? I can explain how you don't get chlamydia from a koala. <laughs> you could get scratched by a koala and they could give you chlamydia. Okay, great. Well, we all know what can happen if you go hitchhiking. All right, thanks for making it real, Emily. Yeah. Or you could think you have gastro. Go to bed, try and get on top of it, end up in a coma, and one day wake up in hospital with no limbs. No, but I was 39 when this happened to me. So, you know, I came home 10 months later with no arms and no legs. So, you know, we are living the worst-case scenario. I'm Claire Hooper, and this is The Pineapple Project. And this episode is all about all the things you think will never happen to you. When the you-know-what hits the fan, have you thought how you and your loved ones might survive financially? No, you haven't, because only one in three people are saving for an emergency. But think about it, if you're going to live to 100, chances are something is going to happen and you need a safety net. Guys, it's statistics. I'm sitting in Mandy and Rod McCracken's kitchen in regional Victoria. We're having coffee and scones. You might need to help me with a scone. Thank you. Oh, he's gone to get my hands. Oh, he's gone to get... Right. They look what? Sorry, what you turn it on? There's an on button. Oh, right. (laughs) So they open and close. How are you doing that? So on the inside are a couple of electrodes. Yes. Yes. Nice little electrodes. I see the the electrodes. Yeah. They sit on my arm, Mm -hmm. and I flex the muscle in my arm, which is the same movement as you moving your wrist backwards and forwards. Mandy was a stay-at-home mum. Her husband Rod was a philosophy teacher at the local school. Their three daughters were happy and healthy. Life was good. The family was preparing for their oldest daughter's birthday. I actually got sick on her ninth birthday. So at six o'clock in the morning, she 
sat and watched me pile into a ambulance uh, on her birthday and head off and I didn't... Yeah, I was gone for essentially 10 months. What they thought was just gastro or the flu was actually a massive bacterial infection. Within hours, her organs began to shut down. Mandy was put in a coma, hooked up to every drip and machine imaginable. Her doctors didn't expect her to survive through the night. She pulled through. But the bacteria had done massive damage and she lost her arms and legs. I had a moment in ICU where I really didn't think I could mentally survive this. And I did actually have the conversation in my head, right, you know, should I just let this go? And uh, I had a counsellor come in. I was crying that day and the nurse got a counsellor in and I couldn't talk because I had a tracheotomy in my, in my neck. And she said to me, she whispered in my ear, she said, just do today. She said, don't worry about tomorrow. And I've gone, OK, I'll just do today. I'll just get through today. And so that's been my mantra ever since, which has been, you know, brilliant words, just, just get through today. So, you know, when you are in that space, you'll be fine. It'll, you'll get through it. You know, you might be your worst, but this is OK. My hands are buzzing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love, yeah, yep. I love the underscoring of the hand opening. Yep. Rod and Mandy have banned each other from using words like journey or inspiration, even though that's all I want to talk about. But this is an Australian story. This is the Pineapple Project. So I have another couple of words for them. Finance, insurance... When you're busy dealing with all that emotional stuff, who even thinks about paying the bills? I was in a coma for 10 days and I had all the codes for all our bank accounts and everything in my head. And there I was asleep in a hospital bed in ICU. So Rog got a bill. I think you got, what did you get? It Like a credit card bill due in a couple of days and he didn't really know how to pay it off because I'm, I'm the one that did it all. So he actually had to talk his way through getting his name uh, changed over on a lot of our, all our accounts and um, he actually managed to walk into a few stores and go, right, well, my wife's next door in the hospital with her arms and legs cut off, so could you change our name over on the, on the credit card accounts? And sure enough, they did. Um, yeah, so, you know, keeping that in mind is actually having a partner who's got access to all this information as well is really important because worst-case scenario, you're... Part, you're in a coma and your partner's still going to pay the credit card bills. Man. Knowing what you do now, is there anything that you would have done differently to plan for a to plan for an emergency? Probably insure ourselves for more. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I think, you know, if we had had access to all the information together as a team, uh, would have made the situation a lot more simple for Rod because I think just setting up everything and, and having to constantly prove that his wife's in a coma and is not coming out in a hurry, you know, that's an emotional thing you have to deal with. I yeah. just took a photo. Did, really? On my phone. Yeah. I was, I was going to joke that don't you just show them the photo, but yeah, you actually literally were showing people a photo. I didn't have enduring power of attorney. 
No medical power of I had nothing. You had no medical power of attorney. No, no, no. So I just I but, went into the bank and I said, hi, this is my wife and your bill is due in two days. What do you reckon? Can you get it changed over for me? And then, hum, hum, hum. <laughs> so I spent most of my time ruining people's day. Yeah. Were you financially prepared for what happened to you? Um, was I, were we financially prepared? Yeah, we, we did do a worst case scenario. Uh, so when we first had kids, we, you know, did the whole write the will, who do the kids go to if something horrible happens to us? Uh, and that just then fed into, um, we got a financial planner out sometime, um, and we just sort of went, okay, well, we've got a mortgage, what do we do? You know, should we... Um, do um, what is it when you get money from work and you put it straight into your super salary sacrifice yeah we were trying to work out do we do salary sacrifice and that sort of stuff and um, so part of all that was okay worst case scenario what what do we have in place for if your arms and legs get chopped off. Um, that, don't tell me that that was actually a scenario you discussed. No, yeah. no, 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 no. No, we had other versions of a worst-case scenario. but um, Yeah, we you were... think more in the clichés, don't you? You are not a clichéd. No, but I was 39 when this happened to yeah. me. So, uh, you know, I came home 10 months later with no arms and no legs. So, you know, we are living the worst-case scenario. Yeah. So, fortunately, we, we had a great... Um, financial advisor who set up in, as well as some life insurance just to cover, you know, looking after the kids if both of us ended up in a car accident. Uh, he did the whole, you know, permanent, total and permanent disability insurance as well. So that was actually part of the, the deal that we were working through, the worst case scenario. So we were saying to each other, you know, for us, the worst case scenario is is not dying, it's surviving and having to actually financially deal with that. That insurance they set up, it paid out. Enough to cover the mortgage. But nowadays their costs bank up so easily. Medical treatments, housing modifications, car modifications, all in the tens of thousands. She spent $5,000 just driving to the hospital and back in one year. And Rod has yet to return to work and it doesn't look like he can do it any time in the near future. I think the hard part's just coming to terms with the change in your life. So, you know, Rod left work the day that I got sick and he hasn't been back to work since. So, um, and now he's a full-time carer, stay-at-home dad, which is great and he's, I think, enjoying doing it. But he was absolutely loving being a teacher, so, Mm. you know, he had to leave his career behind. It's a nightmare scenario, but they're coping as a team. But what if you had to figure it out all on your own? Like Mon. Oh, without question, the breakup was painful, but the period afterwards was a lot worse. Mon got married, and like a lot of women, she handed over the financial reins to her partner. And at the time, it appeared to make logical sense to me because he had a lot more financial experience than I did. And very quickly after we became married, I was also pregnant. So to me, it seemed reasonable. It it would never have crossed my mind, though, to do things like to merge our credit cards and our bank accounts if my husband hadn't suggested those things. So very quickly into our relationship, all of our financial assets had been merged. Uh Uh-oh. You can see where this is going. Quite quickly, 
there's a power shift happens within a relationship when you abdicate your responsibility around your finances. And I was beholden to him financially very, very quickly. I earned a lot less money than he did, but I also didn't know how much money we had. And so um, I, you know, it seems so ridiculous that in our day and age, an intelligent, well-educated woman can fall into that sort of position. I couldn't even buy him a birthday present without him ringing me up and saying, um, what did you spend that money on? So I used to do things like um, slowly accumulate cash to buy him presents so he wouldn't know when I was buying him a present, which sounds so insane now. She decided she needed to leave. So I took myself off to the local bank and stood in line knowing I was about to tell a bank tell her that I was about to leave my marriage. It is extraordinary that I stood in the queue and started crying and somebody said to me, are you okay? And I said, I'm about to leave my husband and told I think about 16 people in the queue what I was about to do. I think I needed to say the words to give myself the courage to do it because I wanted to open a bank account and move some money to help me and my son, my young child, transition out of the relationship. So I had this extraordinary experience of standing in a glass you know, in front of a glass petition telling a poor bank teller that I was about to leave my husband and could I please open a bank account? And the absurd thing about it was I didn't know if I could actually move money out of the bank account at the level that I wanted to because it was a joint bank account. I'd never actually transacted at that level. My husband had done all the major transactions. So it was, it was again, it was kind of crazy. She had to come up with an emergency plan in the moment when all that stuff was crashing down around her. I just didn't have any financial records. I had I no credit record have. because my husband had had his name on everything. Car insurance, I had no record of ever had. You know, it, it just went insurance. on and on. I couldn't get an apartment because I only I worked. I had to very quickly make a decision about giving up a passionate job that I had. I was really reigning in what I was doing socially and became quite isolated my as a result. Only just starting school so he had the bedroom and I had to sleep on the divan in the lounge room so every day pull out the bed every day put and that changed my career profoundly because of the lack of finances it had added consequences for me in terms it's humiliating it's hurtful it drags on it's it's just a very unpleasant experience do you think you underestimated how long it would take before you were properly independent grossly grossly underestimated and I was surprised by just how how much confidence I had lost financially. I had been very independent before I married and during the course of what was a relatively short marriage, I had apparently lost all of my confidence and knowledge around how to manage my finances. I'm just thinking about all the stuff Mon and Mandy had to deal with. Like, Mon obviously had to deal with it all in the moment. She had to extricate herself and then just start a whole new financial life from scratch. And for Mandy... I'm trying to imagine what it would have been like for Mandy if she hadn't done all the work. Like, they had money put aside in their mortgage, they had total and permanent disability insurance. They, like, they were set up for this. They could never have predicted exactly what would happen, but they were so set up. What would it have been like? Like, she talks about how hard it was adjusting psychologically, but you, if you were also scrambling 
for cash and begging the people around you to help, you'd feel, you'd feel even lower, I reckon. It's not like I didn't believe in this sort of planning for the future before, but now that I've spoken to Mandy, I can't, I can't not act on this you know like I've got some things in place but I'm nowhere near I don't have anywhere near the buffer I would want to have and also you know she talked about Rod not knowing the um, bank logins and that's exactly the situation I'm in with Wade and we keep meaning to set up banking on his phone so he can work out what's going on and he, we just keep not doing it so that's that's um tomorrow's job I think Oh, I need some help. Isn't there just someone who can tell us all the things we need to know? Let's get back to the big smoke. Drive carefully, Emily, please. The stuff that often blindsides us is the thing that hasn't even been on our radar it's, it's just things that you just don't think are going to hit you or have the impact that they do. Kate McCallum. I could kiss you. I've never been more ready to take you seriously. You've been a financial planner for almost three decades. You've seen women recovering financially from divorce, disability, the death of a loved one and everything in between. What are the things I need to put in place? You've got to sort of make sure that you do as much as you can to plan and then be in a position where you can deal with the blows when they happen. Not that not that the finances can ever deal with the emotional side of things in their entirety, but at least it gives you a bit of a buffer so it's one less thing that you need to worry about and means that you've got a little more energy to focus on the, you know, the emotional side of things and the practical side of things that you've got to deal with. How much do we need in this emergency account? It really depends on each individual, but as a rule of thumb, I would generally recommend to people to have six months' worth of their expenses. So you'll sometimes hear people say, you know, have six months' worth of income, but income's a bit of a variable thing for many people. But I think if you know what your expenses are and you have six months' worth of buffer, then at least that gives you a chance to, to get your feet back on the ground. I mean, you know, ideally you might have a little bit more than that, but that's kind of um, a good minimum baseline to have six months worth of expenses covered and then at least you know that that money's there to cover you. And practically, how do you put that emergency fund together? Yeah, the practical steps will again depend on each individual person's circumstances. But let's say you're in a position where you've, you know, you don't have any cash savings at all. The first thing that I would recommend is that you actually set up an automatic payment and it, you know, we talk often about paying yourself first. And I reckon your emergency fund is no different to paying your rent or paying a mortgage. It's a non-negotiable. So it's just one of those things. You get it set up, you get the money put into a separate account. And depending on how much you know, you're know you able to save, you just make sure that you put aside a certain amount each, each pay or each month so that that emergency account is building up over time. Sorry, Kate, she's always doing this. Yes, Emily? I thought you might just need some inspo to start your fan account. What, my what? Sensible. Sensible. Sensible Emily. She packs her lunch. She never... 
never runs out of toilet paper. She's so sensible. We talked about this. There's a way to save it quietly in the background. You'll barely notice it. It's the magic word. Abracadabra. Automation. Oh. Go back to our bonus episode about automating your payments and follow the steps. It's easy. Just put away 10 bucks a week, that's three coffees, and it adds up to 520 bucks a year. It's not six months' worth, but it's a good start. <laughs> Being prepared makes me feel so alive. <laughs> sensible. Sensible, Emily. Mm, you like that sensible? Sorry about the interruption, Kate. What were you saying? The other thing to do, which is pretty important, is make sure that you understand what your cash flow looks like. So you do a budget so you understand how much you can put away that you can afford not to touch. Because this is this is your non-touchable account. It's not a it's not an account that you dip into when you get a little bit short or you know, you've got travel plans and you need a bit more money for the the travel. This is absolutely your account to to get you out of hot water. All right, let's talk about sometimes women are in a situation where they need to build an emergency fund secretly. Mm. They need their partner not to know about it existing. How do you do that? You know, it's a it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because ideally you don't want to be in a position where you have to have hidden accounts. But, you know, there will be situations, particularly if it's an abusive situation, where it's really, really important that a woman has escape money. In most circumstances, you can simply set that up in your own name. Where it starts to get a little bit harder is if the family law court's involved or there's legal action, in which case all of those accounts often are visible and they, you know, they sort of come up to the surface, in which case, you know, you might need to lean on a close friend or parents or somebody, you know, in that that sort of army of women's support who can, can assist you with making sure that that money's available to you. Kate says, you got to make like the president and have the codes on you. So I think it's really important for women to make sure that they understand the financial position that they're in. So that's making sure that you know what you own, so all of the assets, what you owe, so the loans. Make sure you understand the income that's coming in and the expenses that's coming out. And that knowledge of your financial situation really puts you in a really strong position if something does go awry. Again, from a really practical perspective, the other thing that's really important is to make sure that you can operate your accounts. So whether that's cash accounts or investment accounts. So knowing pins and passwords and making sure that you're a signatory on accounts so that if you need access to money, that you can actually access that money when you need it. So money is one thing, but Kate says a lot of people get caught out on the insurance stuff too. Insurance is not just about your own insurance, but it's also about your partner's insurance. So if, for example, they have an illness or injury or something happens and they're not around, you need to make sure that there's money that can come in to support you if you've been relying on income from a partner. So, you know, income protection is really important if it's an illness or an injury. Longer term, there's a type of insurance called total and permanent disability, and that's the one that's really there for those long-term sustained illnesses. Trauma insurance, which is a newer type of insurance, but it's a really important one where people suffer critical illnesses. So these are typically things like heart attacks, cancer, stroke is is another big one. And then, of course, life insurance, which nobody wants to talk about. But if your loved one passes away, then at least there's money there that you can rely on to 
make sure that you can keep the house, that you can repay the mortgage, that you can pay kids' school fees if that's the case. It just, again, gives you that buffer to make sure that you can get yourself back into gear. And your own personal insurance. So income protection, again, if um, if anything happens to you personally, and that's particularly important if you're an independent woman and there's not another another party in the mix because, you know, that's more and more common these days. Wow, that is a bit of extremely helpful advice. The other thing Kate says to check is what your super already covers you for. Oh, I should really check mine. You know, I can't stop thinking about Mandy. Before I left her to finish the scones, I asked her with... With everything they know now, what advice does she have? The strongest advice I'd give anyone for their future is basically um, think of the worst-case scenario and plan for it. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it doesn't happen, but just in case it does, be prepared. So what have we learned? No one ever thinks it's going to happen to them. But the road is long and winding with twists and turns. You need a seatbelt and an airbag so you'll be protected when that impact comes. The experts say you need to shoot for that six-month safety net. That means you can afford to support yourself for six months in case something goes wrong. And check your insurance. You need to know what you're covered for. Oh, and we've put heaps more information up on our webpage, abc.net.au forward slash The Pineapple Project. If there's someone in your life you love who should hear about this, go on a road trip, trap them in the car and play them this episode. Or just subscribe them. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts or in the ABC Listen app. I'm Claire Hooper and I'm going home to have a conversation with my husband about the codes. Next episode. People lose their minds, they get engaged and they get panicked and they feel like they have to start committing to things. Past the tissues. The flowers, the cars, the video, the photographer. Weddings are so beautiful. The biggest cake we've ever made is 13 tears. The most someone spent on our flowers was $14,000. And so eye-wateringly expensive. So looking probably around forty to 50000 I had a budget, now it's blown out. How do you plan a wedding without falling into every money trap there is? So we had our ceremony at 6.30 in the morning and we were having breakfast by, I think, about 7.30, not long after. RSVP, yes. That's next on The Pineapple Project. The gowns, the suits, the bridesmaids dresses, the hair, the makeup. Roll the credits. The show was mixed by John Jacobs. I spy with my little eye something beginning with S. Spreadsheet. Consulting producer Emily Stewart. I spy with my little eye something beginning with F. Fire hydrant? No, a fantastic opportunity to learn about saving. Produced by Rachel Fountain. I spy with my little eye something beginning with H. Healthy snacks I prepared earlier to save us money on servo food. It was a horse, Emily. Monique Bowley is the executive producer. Ooh. I spy with my little eye something beginning with Q. (gasps) Is it a quarter? It's a financial quarter, isn't it? No, it's quiet time, Emily. The manager of ABC Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. Let's play another game. I spy with my little eye. Eyes on the road, Emily, you're driving. Focus, focus. This is a production of ABC Audio Studios. (laughs) 